Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Chapter 6 of Galatians, this is exactly what he ordered. He said to me, uh, just uh, yesterday, and, and during the day, and, and this morning, that I don't want the people to faint. Don't let them faint now, because they're about to reap. Did you hear that? Don't let them faint now, because they're about to reap. Hallelujah. Yeah, glory be to God. They're about to reap. Verse 6. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of, his, of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary, circle it, in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, circle faint. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, due time, we'll reap if we faint not. See? Sowing to the Spirit is work. It's work. And if you don't weary or faint, you will reap of the Spirit. God is not a man. God is a spirit. We are not bodies. We are spirits. Say it with me. I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. The real me is a spirit. I sow to the Spirit. I reap of the Spirit. I won't faint. I won't be weary. The word weary means discouraged. You're not going to be discouraged. You're not going to be weary. You're not going to get wearied. You are going to reap because you're not going to faint. Look at Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Real quick. Begin reading at verse 1. Verse 1. Well, there's deliverance this morning in this message and in the presence of God. You know, you can get it by the Spirit and then you can get fed on the Word to keep it. That's what He wants us to do today. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen to these words, the race. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. You're running a race, but you got to look unto Jesus. Not look to the news media. Not look to the neighbor. Not look to the church. Not look to the president. Not look to anybody else. Looking unto who? The, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him... Don't consider the news report. Don't consider the economy. Don't consider the president's statements. Don't consider your neighbor. Don't consider what the preacher down the street said. Don't consider anything but him. 
You know why? Because if you consider Him, if you consider what He did, if you consider what He has done and what He went through, the thing you're going through is nothing. Nothing. It doesn't amount to a hill of beans when you find out what He went through and when you look at Him. Someone says, I, you don't know how bad my neighbor is. You don't know how bad the economy is. You don't know how bad the job situation is. You don't know how bad this is or that is or the, and, and something else is. Forget about it. Just forget about it. You don't know what Jesus went through. Man, if you caught your eyes on Jesus and you saw what He went through, you'd say, there's nothing in this life that I could face, possibly, that could compare to what Jesus went through. So I'm just floating on through. Hallelujah. I'm just riding right on through. It don't matter to me what it looks like out there. It don't matter to me what the economical situation is. It don't matter to me what the political situation is. It don't matter to me if they're closing down all the doors, if they're shutting all the places. Of work. I don't care what it looks like. Glory be to God. I am looking on the Jesus, and Jesus, the author of my faith, has told me in His Word, my God supplies all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't got to move to Texas. I don't got to move to Oklahoma. I don't got to move over to the west in California somewhere to get God to meet my needs because, bless God, I'm in the land right now and God can meet Him right where I'm at. Right here where I'm at, He can meet my need. Did you know that? Think about that. He said, when you come to the land, he said, possess ye the land and dwell in the land. And that land he's talking about is wherever you set your feet to walk on. And if you think about this, you have come to the land. You've come to a place that anywhere you walk is an inheritance. I've given you the city. I've given you the land. All you got to do is just use your faith and faint not and possess ye the land. You know what possess means? Drive out the inhabitants or the tenants of the land by force. That force of faith. And occupy the land as your possession by faith. That's what he's saying to do. And it doesn't matter where you go. Someone says, I'm moving over to, you know, Texas because I heard I can get a job down there. And I went on down to Texas. And you know what they found out? That the devil that's in the east is the same devil that's in the west. They got their job and lost it after one month, and now they're laid off again. It's time we stop looking around us. It's time we stop limiting God to a certain place and location. It's time we realize that God is God over the universe. He's the God in Midland. He's the God in Texas. He's the God in Pennsylvania. He's the God in Ohio and anywhere you want to go. He's the same God. We're the same people. He's got the same money. He's got the same cattle. He's got the same silver and gold. And no matter where you're at, what you're doing, He can supply your need. I don't care where, where you come from, what background you have. If He can't do it, let's go home. Right? Then he say, whatsoever you do shall prosper, and no weapon formed against you can prosper. Then he say that? Does that only mean in Texas? Or does that mean right here? I'm going to tell you something. Let's not let the devil push us off our land. Let's not him, let's not let him come in and occupy the land that we possess. I don't care where you come from. I don't care where you are. I believe that God is Lord over the Beaver Valley. I don't believe that poverty is lording it over the Beaver Valley. I believe that God is. I believe that prosperity is. I believe that life is. I believe that light is. I believe that love is. And I believe that by faith we can possess heathen land. Don't you? I don't care if it's sickness or disease. I don't care what it is. We can create an atmosphere in this place that it can't live. If we'll just use our faith and possess heathen land. Now look what it said here. Consider Him who endured 
that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be... What? What? Let us not weary, Paul said, unless you be wearied and... What? Faint in your what? Now, wait a minute. You know why they were being weary? You know why they were fainting in their minds? Because they were listening to the report of the news media. Because they were listening to the report of the doctor and of the economist and of the psychologist. They were listening to the report of those down, you know, people that are down and, and, and negative. They were listening to the report of the, the companies that are going under. They were listening to the report of all this, this demonic influence instead of listening to the voice of God. Instead of looking unto Him, looking unto Jesus, listening to the voice of their circumstances, listening to the voice of their problems, instead of listening to the voice of God speaking to them inside their spirit. So they, got, they began to get wearied and they began to faint in their minds. And when you faint in your mind, your mind becomes closed to the things of God and your spirit will not rule. You know you're to reign in life. We are to reign in life out of our spirits. I reign as a king in life by, first of all, being strong in my spirit. Then I reign over my mental faculties. You know how I do that? I say, mind, I channel you in another direction. You want to be blessed? Start doing this right now. I channel my mind to be set on things above. I channel my mind to be set on love. I channel my mind to be positive. It will not listen to negative talk. My mind will, I refuse to allow you to take account of evil things. I refuse to allow you to take an evil report and feed it into my spirit. I refuse a lot. And then when something comes along and says, Oh, you know what they say. You say, I refuse to allow you, mind, to receive that. You'll reign over your mind and your mind, you won't get weary in your mind. And then your body, as far as it's concerned, it's trying to make you, it's trying to say like, act like it's sick. Did you know that you've been bought with a price and you're not your own and your body's not your own? This body's not our own to do what we, what, as we please. It's not our own to do with as we please. It's God's. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are God's. My body is God's. Say that. My body is God's. My body is God's. My body is God's body. Now, when anything invades your body, it is coming against the temple of the living God. It's got no right to come into your body. And when something invades your mind like a negative thought, a thought of going under, a thought of unbelief, a thought of doubt, a thought of fear, you've got the right in the name of Jesus to kick that thing out and cast it down and command your mind not to dwell on it or to think about it. See, you reign out of your spirit over your soul, over your body. That's why he's saying, set aside all those things you've been hearing. Set aside those weights. Set aside those sins. Set aside that doubt. Look unto Jesus. Consider Him and don't faint in your minds. There's nothing that you can confront in this world that Jesus did not already confront for you. So don't consider the situation. Consider Him. Look at another scripture. 2 Corinthians 4th chapter. Verse 6. Second Corinthians 4th chapter verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed yet not in despair. Notice that. We are troubled on every side. There's trouble all around you. 
Fear will gather up around about you, but it won't come nigh unto you. Troubled, Paul said, on every side, yet not distressed. If anybody had a reason to be distressed, if anybody had a reason to faint in his mind, it was Paul the Apostle. He, he had so much affliction and persecution, we can't even begin to fathom just what he went through. In our own lives, it doesn't amount to anything. We don't know what persecution is in this country. But over there in the other countries, and when, when Paul lived, he was persecuted, he was whipped, he was beaten 39 times, stripes on his back three times, he had those 39 stripes. Cast into prison, shipwrecked, stoned to death, everything you can imagine, everything you can think of, this man had. But yet he says, although I'm troubled on every side, I am not, you see, distressed. And though I am, though we're perplexed, I'm not in despair. Though persecuted, I'm not forsaken. Though cast down, I'm not destroyed. Consider some of that. So that's what he's saying. Consider some of that. No matter how gloomy it looks, no matter how dark it looks, no matter what the situation looks, he's saying you can still rise above it by faith. Look at the next verse. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we... What? You know what he's saying? Because the glory of God has been deposited inside my spirit, because the light of this knowledge is inside me, although trouble comes around me, although all these forces and persecution and affliction comes around me, although it may look dark, and dreary and gloomy. It doesn't matter. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking in love. I'm looking unto Him. I'm considering Him. I'm not considering them. And because of it, there's going to be a far more eternal weight of glory for me. And for this cause, I don't faint. But though my outward man perish, my inward man is renewed day by day. He's saying, nothing out there can touch my inward man. Nothing in this realm can get to the spirit of the man who knows who he is in Christ. No problem, no situation, no economical system. Nothing could get to the spirit of the man who knows who he is in Christ. No troubles. I mean, he was so wild about this that when bitten by a poisonous snake, he shook it off. What's death? That can't separate me from the love of God. When he was stoned, that faith he had in his spirit brought him back to life. When they left him for dead. He was never there yet. When he was shipwrecked in the sea. The life. You know, the Bible says, even though the waters are up to your neck, you're not going to sink. Think about that. And though it looks bad, you're not going to sink. You're not going to go under. Because your spirit is still alive. See, get your eyes off the outward appearance of things. And he tells you that. Look at the next part. The inward man is renewed day by day. This is a daily process. For our light affliction. One can laugh right there. Light affliction. Light. Being whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails. Split his back wide open. Cast into the sea. Robbed. Cheated. Beat. Stoned. Light affliction. Hallelujah. Which is but for a moment. 
worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things seen. Don't look at the problem. If anybody could preach that, Paul could. But you say, you don't know how big my problem is. It could not compare to what he's already been through. It could not compare to what Jesus has gone through. What are you saying? Not that the problem doesn't exist. But a power exists that will supersede the problem. There's a power in you that exists that will put the devil to flight. That will get him out of your territory. Give the devil no place. Give him no location. Give him no right to occupy your territory. Don't give it to him. See? This is a process. It's called a day-by-day process. A renewing day-by-day. Every single day. Renewed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We are changed day-by-day from glory to glory. It's a daily process. Okay? While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen, those things are eternal. Now here he's talking about the ability to see God at work in the midst of all the troubles, in the midst of all the circumstances. And the only way you can do that, beloved, is out of your spirit. Not out of your minds. Here's where the problem lies. People have been trying to walk by faith out of their minds. Out of their knowledge of God's Word. You can't do that and be victorious. You could know, you could sit under the greatest teachers. You could sit under the greatest men of God today. And you can have your mind, you can have the best education in the Scriptures today and still not benefit from the Word of God. And still not be able to have access to the Father. And still, here's what I like. I like somebody who was cast into prison. He had such a revelation of God that when he was there in prison and persecuted... It was not an act that came out of his mouth when he worshipped God and praised them. Paul and Silas were not putting on a show trying to confess enough faith up to get them delivered. They had something already hidden within their heart. They were not looking at the problems. They were looking at the God that they served. And when they began to release that praise and, and adoration and sing unto God, here's what I like. Those men had the ability to pull heaven down to earth. You know what happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. God reached over the banister of heaven just like that in Philippi. And he saw the jailhouse. And just went down like that and went, shook it. Doors flew open. The bands were loosed. The ground shook. Because they got a hold of God. I like that kind of faith, don't you? I like that kind of relationship. Although the trouble was there, although it, was, it, it, it stared them in the face, it didn't matter when you know how to contact the Father. It doesn't matter. I'm getting ready to put, stake my claim. Put my flag down. Raise up the blood-stained banner of the Lord Jesus and say, Devil, you can't cross this boundary. You have no right across this line. I've drawn the line. The banner is up. Do it in your household. Devil, out. This means you. No trespassing. You have no right. No power, no ability. I refuse to allow you entrance. Don't look at the things seen. Look at the things not seen. Oh, when they were looking at the things not seen, Elisha Elisha the prophet, and they were at Dothan, and they were surrounded by the Syrian army, and there was the the servant of of Elisha the prophet, and he said, Oh, what are we going to do now, Master? And he said, There's more that be with us than there be with them. 
You talk about a dark situation. You talk about looking at the things that are seen. All they saw was a bunch of hosts, a host of army, an army of people out there trying to destroy him, ready to kill him. And I like what the prophet said, open up his eyes. I say it today, open up our eyes, Father God. Open up our eyes and so we can see there's flames, chariots of fire, flaming swords all around us right now. I mean, just gathered up like an army. If you think that our armies are nicely arrayed, they are clothed in glory. They are clothed with fire. Chariots of fire all around us right now. You know what they're saying? Come on, we could take the land. That's what they're saying. Come on, the devil's defeated. Let's push him out of the land. That's what he's saying. That's what the angels are saying right now. They're saying, come on, let's do it. I want to help you. Angels are spirits. Did you know that? They're spirits. You're a spirit. Did you know that? The Bible says that we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. I am a spirit. I have ability in the spirit to contact God. I have the ability in the spirit to see things. See, they really do exist. They don't appear. You know, one time, I share it with you when we teach on angels, but we had angels appear to us. I shared that with you before. Some of you maybe don't know, but we had angels appear to us. They're real spirits. They're real beings. You can see them. If God allows you to see them, you can see them. We saw them. One on each front of our car. We saw them appear to us. We saw these spirits. And it makes you realize that those things are real. They're not phony. They're absolutely real. It's fact. Spirits are real. We are spirits. We don't see our spirits. But they're real. I am a spirit. Faith is of the spirit. Love is of the spirit. And it's with the spirit of man we contact God. Now, I want to show you another scripture. Let's look at uh, two scriptures. Luke 18, 1 and Isaiah 40, 31. Now, here's the reason why some began to faint in their minds. And here's going to be the way out. If I told you to exercise your bodies, everyone would know what I'm talking about. If you were like me, you'd go down to my basement and get out the weights and start lifting the weights. Or start jogging around the block. Or start doing some calisthenics. And that would be exercising your body. You'd know what that means, exercise your body. If I told you to exercise your mind, you'd get out your study books and start to study. And as you began to study, you'd exercise your mind and use your mind, mind power. And you may get educated and so on and so forth. But when you tell the believer to exercise his spirit, they go, what are you talking about? How do I do that? Most Christian spirits are so under-exercised that it's pitiful. And then they wonder why they faint and they get weary in their walk of faith. And they wonder why they're not reaping the benefits. You know what the benefits are? How many of you are beneficiaries of the New Testament? Beneficiaries of the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus. I'm a beneficiary. And the benefits, 103rd Psalm. Forget not all his... All his what? Who forgiveth all thine? Who healeth all thy... Who redeemeth thy life from? Who puts a crown on thee of loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies thy mouth with good things that thy youth may be renewed like the eagles? Those are benefits. You work for a company, you enjoy the benefits, don't you? These are the benefits. They are ours. 
legal benefits, legal rights. I've got legal benefits in this land I live in right now. I've got legal benefits and rights right here where we live. In this Beaver Valley, we have the right to be prosperous in this valley. Did you know that? That's right. We have a right to be the head and not the tail. We have a right to be above and not beneath. That's a right we have. All these are benefits of the Lord. But I look at the Scripture here in um, Luke 18, 1. I'm going to share with you how to exercise the Spirit. We might as well face it right now. You don't release faith out of your mind. And you don't release faith out of your body. You release faith out of your spirit. You release love out of your spirit. When you need to contact the Father of Spirits, you've got to release faith out of your spirit. And see, the, the Christian church in general has not understood the difference between the spirit and the soul. And they've educated their heads, their minds, and they've neglected the education of their spirit. They've exercised their minds, but they've not exercised their spirit. Now, you've been fed the Word. You've received the Word. The Word's in your mind. You have the knowledge of God's Word. Probably more so than a lot of people. But it's not going to do you any good up in your mind. It's only going to do you good when it's coming out of your spirit. There's a force. If you could see it coming out of your spirit, then you know what I'm talking about. But it's, it's sometimes hard to relate when you get to this depth of spiritual things. You're, you're relating to the human spirit and how it produces faith and how it produces love. But it's exercising your spirit to create spiritual realities to drive out and force out the powers that are arrayed against you so that you can occupy the land, so you can obtain your inheritance, so you can walk in light of your benefits. Here's a scripture that tells us exactly how to exercise our spirit. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to and not... And not what? Not what? What did, you, what did Paul say? If you faint not, what did Hebrew say? Look unto him, consider him, lest ye faint in your minds. Now, Jesus gives you a clue here. He says, men ought always to pray and not faint. Now you know how not to faint. The reason, see, prayer is a spiritual exercise. Praying in the Spirit, praying with your understanding is a spiritual exercise. Meditating the Word is a spiritual exercise. If I were a weightlifter, well, when I was lifting weights quite frequently, all the time, staying in shape, I could lift a great amount of weight for my size. And I can do it very easily. But if I let it go, when I went to school in Oklahoma, I was too busy to exercise. I had too much to do. I let go of the weights. I couldn't possibly lift up all the weight that I could when I was in shape. I had to start over at a lesser amount of weight. Now, every problem in life produces a certain amount of pressure on the individual spirit. And that pressure could be so enormous that unless you've been doing your exercise, you can't get out from underneath that thing. You need a prayer. You need everybody interceding for you. You can't get out from underneath that thing. It's too powerful. It's got you weighed under. You see? So, what you need to do, through the prayer of the saints, through the intercessory prayer, you, be, you can actually sense the inner strength coming to you. It's rising up from within you. Just, just inside your spirit. It's getting stronger. It's getting stronger. Through their prayers, through your prayers. And that inner strength 
gets bigger and bigger. The muscles get stronger and stronger. Then the pressure, the weight, see, that that need represents, that that devil's put on you, that pressure of life that's come on you, it be, you begin to, oh, it didn't lessen. It didn't lighten because the devil's ugly. But you know what? You got stronger. You lifted it up. Got it above your head. Hallelujah. You lifted it up. You see what I'm saying? You got stronger. Pressure's still the same. Situation, problem never changed, but you got stronger. Man, and you begin to blow that thing right out of there. Men aren't always a pray and faint not. Prayer is spiritual exercise. As you pray and exercise your spirit, maintain that strength in your spirit. You keep it strong. You keep your muscles exercised. You keep the weight off. You've got more strength to keep the pressure up and away from you. And really, it's just like the Scripture says in the 23rd Psalm, I have a feast in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because I'm stronger than them. Not that they're not around me. Oh, they've gathered around about me, but they don't come to me and affect me because I'm stronger than they are. Every knee must bow, every tongue confess because I've got the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, as you stay in prayer, pray in the Spirit, meditate in the Spirit, in the Word, and, and continually exercise this on a daily basis, we are changed not week by week, but day by day. People let it go daily. It's better to exercise daily a little bit than it is to do it a lot one day. Anybody ever not exercise for a year and then exercise a whole day long? How'd you feel like the next day? Not like exercising again. But if you maintain that strength, if you do it on a daily basis and keep your, your muscles in tune and exercised, then it's easy. And what happens? You get stronger and stronger and stronger. You can lift more and more and more and more and more. And man's really proven that they can, they can lift a lot of weight if they continually exercise. What's the difference between the two? Why can that guy not press much weight and this guy can? He has practice. He has exercise. He hasn't. We all have the same pressures of life. We all have the same storms come our way. But if someone is exercising prayer, exercising the Word, meditating the Word, and more in meditation I want to share with you. Meditation is the best spiritual exercise. It's meditating the Word. It's prayer all rolled up into one. And most Christians neglect meditation. Now, that's something I cannot neglect. I could neglect my weightlifting because it didn't matter how much weight I could press. And if you don't even know how to exercise your spirit, man, you're going to be defeated in life. The pressures of life will be too big for you. You see, you're very weak. Okay, now let's look at the other scripture. Isaiah 40, 31. Now you will be blessed when we put this in its context, when you really see what this is saying in the light of our other scriptures. But they that wait upon the Lord. Now, a waiter... This is not talking about waiting in a doctor's office somewhere. You know, waiting somewhere or waiting in, this, in, in, in a room somewhere. This is not talking about waiting in a sense that I'm just sitting in a room waiting for Jesus to come by someday. This is talking about ministering like a waitress. You go out to eat. A waitress comes to your table. She begins to wait on your hand and foot. You're like a king and a queen. I mean, you're just sitting there. I need a fork. And she goes off and gets you a fork. And she comes back and says, the baby needs a cracker. So she goes off and gets you a cracker and she comes back. Well, I changed my mind. I don't want it. I'll have to change my order. And she goes back and by this time, 
you know. You don't know what she's saying when she goes back into the kitchen, but I mean, you know, you're at least... And you've got her all mumbled and jumbled on her pad. She doesn't know what she's reading off because you've changed it. But you're just like a king and a queen just sitting there and, and, and she's waiting on everything you want and need. That's the waiting he's talking about. They that wait upon the Lord, minister to the Lord in worship and praise, bow to Him, wait upon Him, minister to Him, lift up your voice. He seeks those who worship Him in spirit and truth. They're the ones that's doing that. They're waiting upon the Lord in intercessory prayer. Whatever. You're just in His presence and you're waiting and ministering unto the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's the 103rd Psalm. That word renew means exchange. They will exchange strengths. Your strength for God's strength. God will begin to fill your spirit with His spirit, with His strength. He will strengthen your spirit with His spirit. The life that's in your spirit will be strengthened. Now listen. You don't go and run your automobile when, it's no, when there's no fuel in it. You better not. It's not going to work. And most people are trying to pray and use their faith when their spirit is empty and drained. Remember he said, but be being filled with the Spirit by speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Keep your spirit renewed in strength. Wait upon the Lord. Minister to the Lord. Minister the Word. Praise Him with the Word. In tongues. Any way you know how. With all manner of prayer. Men are always to pray. Pray without ceasing. As you do that, the spirit of, of man exchanges the strength. He satisfies your mouth with good things that your strength may be renewed. You see, your spirit, the strength of your spirit is renewed as you worship the Lord, as you minister to the Lord, as you sing unto the Lord, whatever. In other tongues, your spirit is renewed. All right? Now look at the next part of this. They shall mount up with wings as eagles... They shall run, run the race with patience, considering Jesus. Is that what Hebrews said? Run the race with patience, considering Jesus, so that you faint not in your mind, right? They shall run, and listen, and not be... What? They shall run and not be... What did Galatians say? Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due time or season you shall reap if you faint not. They shall run and not be discouraged and not be weary if they wait upon the Lord, if they fill up their tank, if they exchange His strength for their strength through prayer, meditation, and worship. They shall exchange strength. And when they run, I mean, if you want to run, you've got to run the devil off your property. See, you're out there wanting to run the devil off your land, off your household. You've walked all the way around your property and you made a barrier. You made a bloodline. If you haven't done it, do it. Walk around the bounds of your property. Walk all the way around it and say, Devil, I'm setting up notice to you right now. No trespassing. And put on it, Devil, this means you. And when you walk around the boundaries, you see, of, of your land, you say... I refuse to allow you to cross the threshold of my property. I'm running you off this property. I am kicking you out. I'm occupying it. I'm possessing it. You were a previous tenant, but now you have no longer access. And when you run, you won't be wary. And when you walk... Now, notice this next part. And they shall walk 
see? And not... What? See? And they'll walk. See, you're walking by faith, not by what? And when you walk by faith, you won't faint. See, the believer's walk is the walk of faith. If people are becoming wearied, discouraged, and fainting, the answer's simple. They're not praying always, and they're not waiting upon the Lord and exchanging strengths and ministering to Him because He said, if you did that, you would not be weary, you would not faint, and what is this? If you don't weary or faint, you shall reap. Didn't He say that? If you don't become weary, and if you don't faint, what shall you do? You shall reap. You shall reap of the Spirit. See, the Spirit of man, you've got to understand the Spirit of man to understand the walk of faith. Having the right knowledge is not enough. You've got to understand the Spirit of man to understand the walk of faith. And that's why I want to now begin to continue teaching on the human spirit. We believe God out of our hearts. Our, our favorite faith scripture, Mark eleven twenty three, says, If he believes, doubts not in his heart, but believes. Trust in the Lord with all your... Lean not to your... See? Okay. Our walk of faith is out of the human spirit. If the human spirit has not exercised, if the human spirit is not strong, and filled and exchange strengths with God's strength, then the force of faith is weak. Then the force of love is weak. And the reason why you can't walk by faith and you can't walk by love is because the spirit has been drained. Abs your body ever been drained? How much work can you get done when your body is drained? Not a whole lot. Your body ever get drained through prayer and fasting? It gets weak sometimes? You know, I, I did a dumb... You talk about doing a dumb thing first time I ever got involved in, in fasting, I fasted for three days. Now, check this out. Off the fast, I came off the fast and went and played basketball. Makes a lot of sense, right? And I couldn't understand why I didn't have enough strength <laughs> to, to, to play, to run. You know, get some exercise. I figured I'm going to build myself back up. Yeah. You got to do it slow. See, I didn't have as much knowledge as I did now, but it, it's a dumb thing to do. But your, my body just couldn't, I couldn't hardly even shoot the thing to make it into the basket. But you see, it's the same way in, in, in the spirit realm. If, if your spirit man is not exercised, if it's not strong and vigorous, then neither will your faith be. And neither will your love be. Because these are spiritual forces. Now, to understand the difference between the spirit and the soul, we have to do a teaching. How many of you have always thought the spirit and the soul was the same? Raise your hand if you, if you think that. Have you ever thought that? Did you ever think that at one time? I mean, you may not think it now, but you thought that. That when the Bible talks about, about spirit and soul, okay, see, you know that now then the spirit is not the same as the soul. And actually, even in what we call word churches, people are highly educated in their minds with the word of God. But their spirits, you see, their spirits are not exercised. They're not educated in the spirit, developed in the spirit to let these spiritual forces produce results. And that's the, the next step. Matter of fact, this teaching has is, is been most beneficial to me individually, my family, when we learned that faith must be applied out of the heart and not out of the mind. And when we learn how to put our faith to work out of our spirits, 
We didn't just pray for anything like that when a problem arose in our life. We went and got ourselves some faith. We went and waited upon the Lord. We meditated the Word. We got our spirits filled to overflowing. Our cups were running over. We were filled with faith, filled with strength, filled with love. I mean, that's what we did first. Then when you run, you won't weary. Then when you walk, the walk of faith, you won't faint. See, you're walking in faith and love. It, you won't faint. But don't do it backwards. Don't go and try to lift up 300 pounds of weights without ever exercising and building up to 300 pounds. You can see that in the physical realm. Don't try to use your spirit and your faith to push a 300-pound problem away if you're not going to build up and exercise your spirit daily. Now, the best way to do this as a preventive thing is to do this daily. As a matter of fact, we started this in our faith class. We're taking one scripture, and we're going to start flowing right now with... I'm not going to be giving you all kinds of scriptures to be looking up because when I teach faith and the human spirit... There's not a whole lot. There's scriptures, but you're not going to be in-depthly going into the teaching, like teaching ministry of, of looking up all these scriptures. You're going to be letting your spirit receive what the Word is saying about faith and love, and it'll develop. And as you develop it, then those, really the scriptures that you already know and already have will become alive out of your spirit. Now, we've taken one scripture, and we said, let's start saying right now from today, Friday, we'll say it for the whole week, one scripture over and over out of the love chapter that says, I don't insist on my own rights or ways. Say it. Think it. Meditate it. Make it alive in your spirit. Continue to go over it. Ponder it. Just keep on saying it and saying it and saying it. And before you know it, out of your spirit, it'll begin to come. In every situation you find yourself in, something will rise up from within you and say, but you don't take account of the evil. Um, but, but you don't insist upon your own rights or ways. But you don't insist, you're not a self-seeking person. You don't insist on that right or that way. Although, it, you know, it could be, if you want to be selfish, you could insist upon it, but you don't want to be selfish to insist upon your right or way. Okay? And say that scripture. And, beloved, that'll do you a world of good. You start taking some of the scriptures that you know about healing, about finances. And don't just go out and try to act on them right away. Take those scriptures one at a time. Fill your spirit with what that scripture is saying through meditation. For an example, you take the scripture, well, take in the area of healing. I think here's where the problem lies in the area of divine healing in people's lives. You take the Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and you just take a few scriptures where it says that Jesus was despised of men. Rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with sickness. And then, surely he hath borne my sicknesses. Take that scripture. Ponder it. Pray in the Spirit for five minutes over that scripture. Make your mind, channel your mind, make your mind, don't let it go off on turkey and chicken and pumpkin pie. Don't let it go on those other thoughts. You make it begin to see, you see, in, in your mind's eye, in, in the eye of your spirit. You begin to see Jesus. You see Him taking my sickness. 
You see him taking my pain. He carried my pain. The chastisement of my peace was on him. And you say that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took my sickness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took my pain. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took my sorrows and my griefs. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took mental anguish. Say it. Say it. Now pray it. Meditate it. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in other tongues. One scripture. One subject. Say it. You took my infirmities. I'm so glad you bore my sicknesses. Then worship Him in song. Sing a song. Sing Him a song like, I'm so glad you took my infirmities. I'm so glad you bore my sicknesses. I just rejoice. I praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And sing it to Him. Sing it. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Himself took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Himself took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Sing it to your spirit. Say it. Pray it. Meditate it. Keep on doing it. Every morning. Do it. Do it. I mean, you just continue to do it. Something happened inside you. I mean to tell you, it'll register on your heart. It'll register inside your spirit. Your spirit will come so strong when it's time for you to pray and release your faith. Glory be to God. Look out, devil, because I'm coming running after you. That's what happens. And the, the whole key to this thing is just not more learning. It's acting on what we know. Act on what we know and start doing it daily. We're renewed day by day. We're changed day by day from glory to glory. If we'll do it on a daily basis, it'll change your whole life. It'll revolutionize the way you live. See, this is something that we cannot uh, ignore. We can't ignore this, the development of the human spirit. Because faith does not work out of the mind. And as you think, just because I know by stripes I'm healed, that every time I pray that I'm going to have my kids healed and myself healed, you see, you've got another thought coming. It doesn't work that way. It works by taking the Word into your heart, your spirit, and keeping it alive in there. I'd rather see people take four days of preparation and get results than pray every single day for them four days and not get anything. And see, this is the key to it. Get it inside your heart, inside your spirit. The spirit is different from the soul and we're going to teach the difference tonight between the spirit and the soul and how to keep your spirit alive. I call this creating spiritual realities. In other words, let's not just talk the word. Let's just not be lovers of the word, hearers of the word, talkers of the word, appreciators of the word. But let's be doers of the word and create spiritual realities in our everyday life. Amen. And then when you go to pray for that baby, it'll be because you come fresh from the presence of Almighty God. Your spirit was so saturated and so running over with healing. I mean, it was so powerful within you that Jesus took those diseases and what Jesus bore, my baby need not bear. You've got a full tank. It's overflowing. It's running over. Like when you forgot to put your gas cap on and all the gas started pouring out of the tank. Just running over. You see? And when you go over to lay your hand on that, hallelujah, it just runs over from you right onto them. Out of your spirit. spirit. God's a spirit. See, He's not a mind. He's not a body. Let's all stand. Glory be to God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you 
as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.